Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I am joined today by a networking and relationships expert. This is Robbie Samuels. Robbie, welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Thanks so much for having me. You know what? I caught the title of your book and it's got me curious. Croissants versus bagels. And then something about networking. <laughs> what? Tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you're coming from. I know you've been involved with social justice and other uh, important movements like that. You've been recognized for your skills, your sweet skills in networking. Um, croissants versus bagels, what's that all about? So croissants versus bagels, strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences is the title of my book. Mm-hmm. And it comes from uh, a takeaway, a tangible action item that I've been talking about for the last decade in a talk that I do called Art of the Schmooze. And Art of the Schmooze? Part of the schmooze. Uh, keep talking. So we've all had this issue of going to a networking event, going to a conference where we find ourselves in a crowded room at a cocktail reception, a coffee break. And we look around the room and everyone's sort of huddled together in these tight circles that are impossible to break into. Those mm. are the bagels. Now, okay. if someone in the bagel opens up the body language up and makes space for others to join that circle, that's the croissant. Ah, so we're talking the shape of the pastry here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so it's really about mindfulness of, you know, if you've left the house mm-hmm. and gotten yourself all the way to an event, you know, figured out all the logistics to get yourself there and you know, bought a ticket, you should also set an intention to actually meet people. And so that is about, that piece is about the body language to have to be open to meeting people. And so I also, in my book and in my talk, I talk about, you know, what to say or not to say and sort of the mindfulness of this all. But I do think that there's a, there's a really a physical stance of, of being more open as opposed to a default of always being closed. It, it comes right down to the body language, the physical presence that you set up as you're in these events or, or conferences mm-hmm. that says either, hey, I'm open or... Yeah. Please go away. Do yeah. not disturb. Yeah. And, and I don't think that we're always even aware of the body language we're giving. Like the default is to sort of be more closed, but we are very aware of being the person who's looking for a way in. So if you just shift it and start thinking, okay, how can I be a little more open? Even if I'm standing with one other person, if it, just a handful of people in the room start to do that, if 10% of the room does that, it will shift the dynamics, the social dynamics of the entire space. And people will wonder like, wow, why was it possible for me to actually meet and engage with people in this room when I've struggled in other spaces? So there's there's a benefit to you directly for doing this, but there's a ripple effect that will impact the the whole experience of the event. Mm. Networking, interesting concept. 
um, you've given a, a different spin to this, Robbie, which I've appreciated as I've gotten to know a little bit more about your work, that it's, it's not about how can I go in there and, and create some kind of a connection that's going to make me money. Mm-hmm. I mean, some networking events, you get that feel. It's like mm-hmm. people are there to get something as opposed to building a relationship. Can you talk about that distinction a little bit and why that's important? Well, I think I want to, uh, part of that answer is, is to address the sort of elf in the room, which is that people feel that networking is a dirty word. And this was proven uh, in a study done by Harvard and Northwestern. Um, they had this really creative way to test this theory. And when people think about networking, they, they start thinking and, you know, they want to like take a shower and they need, they ask for soap. It's like this thing that they were able to sort of test people on. The only people who didn't feel that way in the study were executives who, when they approach these kinds of networking opportunities, they already have what they need and they're going into offer. So if you're high up in your career, then you walk in, you're, you're offering advice, you're offering a, a resource, an introduction, a job, right? Like feedback, support. So why can't we all apply that same mindset when we walk in? What is the value that we can offer this room? Now, a, a very common occurrence is when people are looking for a job, which I'm sure some people have experienced or are listening, mm-hmm. and you're in a deficit moment in your mind, and you're thinking, I need something. If you're a salesperson, you need to make sales. And so if you go into a room with that mindset, people will see you coming and they'll like, ugh, you know, like that's ugh. when people turn their back and they they close those circles on you. And you end up with like a bagel with locks. It's impossible to break into those. So <laughs> instead, you know, for the job, it's about really rethinking like it's not any job, it's the right fit. And for the right hiring manager, you are gonna make their day. For a salesperson, you believe in the value of the product that you're offering. You believe in the services you're providing. And you know it's not anybody you're selling to. You're just trying to find the right fit and you're going to make that person's day. And in the, in the meantime, how can you add little bits of value? So when I work with my coaching clients, I talk to them about relationship-based business strategies. These are small little things that you do that overall will sort of develop and deepen the connections in your network. Right. The important distinction I'm seeing there has to do with our own focus. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are we there for? Yeah, you and I were recently in, in Dallas at, a, at the same conference for the National Speakers Association. And in that conference, one of our colleagues and a friend, Bob Berg, uh, received the Hall of Fame designation, the CPAE. Bob wrote a book called The Go-Giver. Mm-hmm. And and it's a similar idea. I thought about Bob's work as you were bringing this up, Robbie, because you're showing up at this event. Are you there to get something? Are you a go-getter? Or are you a go-giver? Yeah. Are we turning that around and, and focusing on what we have to offer? It's interesting, Robbie, because people can smell it. Yeah. From, from across the room, maybe across the state. <laughs> Why you're there. Yeah. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And I also think that people have trouble with this. It sounds great in, in sort of a, 
oh, sure, I should add value. But then when it gets to that moment, people think, well, what do I have to offer this space? I'm, I'm new to the field or I've never been in this room before. Everyone here is a decade older than me or this or that. And then you, yeah. you really have to realize that what to, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're trying to connect with. Well, what would they value? And so anybody out there who's producing content, so you, you do a YouTube channel, you have a podcast, you know, people who write books, we are doing this kind of alone in our, in our own rooms. And yeah. then we hope that it goes out into the world. And yeah, we see the numbers of downloads and subscribers. You know what makes a huge impact? When someone reaches out and says, I listened to or watched or read your thing and it had this impact on my life. Man, that is just the hugest, oh my God, it just gets me going. It makes me want to do more of it. It makes me want to put more content out. So yeah. That is a piece of value that you can do if you've been inspired by someone's content out in the world, reach out to them. And, and these days, the world's kind of flat. It's not like you can't reach out to someone and, and you know, get on their email list and hit reply to one of their emails that they send out and then get a live response back from that human being. And you're like, whoa. I mean, when people write me on my email list and I respond to them within an hour, their minds are blown. But I'm just so grateful that they're doing it because they're understanding what I'm saying to them, which is like, that's a little bit of value into that relationship. I'm going to start to sort of vaguely understand who they are in the world. It takes some time and effort to really get on someone's stage. You know, my mother gave me advice when I was 12 that, oh my gosh, it was sort of devastating at 12, but she said, you were only the main character in your own play. And at 12, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> my problems are everyone's problems. But in, in reality, that's not true, right? You're only the main character in your own play. So your best friends started out once as strangers. Now they're permanently members of your cast and your crew. You're never going to forget about them. How do you do the same thing to get on someone else's stage? And it's about showing up repeatedly, being consistent, being thoughtful. And, and for me, this is about not being scattershot. I, I, I worry about people who have this, like, it's just a cycle of, of wasting your time networking, of going out, collecting a bunch of business cards, uh, you know, they sit it on your desk next to your keyboard, good intentions, good intentions, but you don't actually do the follow-up because you didn't really have a plan when you're going in about why you're getting the cards in the first place. And the cards get in a little corner on the back of your desk, maybe in a little box, you know, and then they end up in a drawer. And then a year later you find them and you're like, what are these from? And then you recycle them. <laughs> but you know, Dr. Paul, you go right back out to another event that night, get more business cards. And that's what people think networking is. And it's such a waste of time. And I really want people to do less and have a bigger impact with their time. And I, and I think it's about, about really rethinking this about relationships as opposed to what's in it for me. You know, what can I extract from this? It's like, what can I give? And I love that you brought up that book because it's, it's a great, I, I think it's a great resource. Mm. It's a mindset that makes all the difference. And you know, Robbie, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about my own experience at these events. And I've been there, you know, I've been there where it was like, oh, how can I get what I need from this meeting? I'm, I'm spending a day or an afternoon or even a breakfast time to go to this meeting. Mm -hmm. What can I come out of this with that makes it worth my time? Mm -hmm. And it was always a frustrating negative experience. Yeah. It did nothing. And I, I don't even remember specifically when the switch flipped for me. 
But I, I realized this in Dallas at that conference that we were at together a couple of months ago where uh, I realized I am really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. And I think the big difference was I was able to get out of my own way and realize that networking, the way I currently understand it, has nothing to do with me, mm. except that I've got something to offer and I better show up and offer it mm-hmm. without yeah. any thought of what comes back in return. And the strategic side effect is I get an abundance that comes back in return. I love that you just brought up abundance because I really do think that mindset of my, I practice the philosophy of abundance, this idea that you give away knowledge and it doesn't deplete you. You know, if you give away time, if you give away money, yeah, you have less money and time. But if you give away knowledge, that just, I mean, that just comes back in different ways. And I, I, I think that we all have to practice a detachment to the outcome of networking. That, that when we do the transactional networking, we're expecting, well, you know, I did this for this person. Why aren't they doing it back for me? That even when someone does do the thing for you that's sort of expected, it won't make them feel good about it because there's sort of a heavy expectation. They will feel sort of guilt. You can guilt people into reviewing your book or, you know, like giving you a ride to the airport is a great the commonality, right? If you become known as the kind of person who gives others rides to the airport, you will get a ride when you need one. And it probably won't even be from someone that you've driven. It'll be from someone who knows you to be the kind of person who gives rides. That, that your reputation will precede you and they'll want to then give to you knowing that you're that kind of giver. And you only do these things because you have the relationship, you have the time, and you have the resources, right? So you're not going to, it's not equal. It's not, a, it's not like you're going to take a stranger to the airport and expect nothing in return. But when you're building these connections, you don't expect an immediate return in that little investment in that relationship. But if you become known in that way, it will, that's the abundance. There's nothing I want for in life because I have a community and a network that will support it. It's really a way of looking at this as, as a relationship, like you said, Robbie, and not a transaction uh, where there's some kind of a zero sum game going on. There's an abundance. It's, uh, it's something that you can tap into by contributing really. Mm This is such a fun conversation. I think we've set this up well to get into a few of the other principles that are behind these topics that we're talking about. Folks, this is Robbie Samuels at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com
And we're back with Robbie Samuels at Live On Purpose Radio. Robbie, you're speaking my language, dude. I love this idea of abundance and giving and relationships and really getting our focus there. I think the trick here is getting out of our own way. You said something earlier about being detached from the outcomes. Mm. And we really didn't develop that much. Share just a few more thoughts about that, if you would, because I think that's a key to to maybe giving ourselves the space or the permission to be more authentic in that connection that we're making. Well, if you go into a room and you expect something immediately, um, then you'll be disappointed. Like my background's fundraising. I can't walk into a room and expect that I'm going to meet someone for the first time and get $5,000 from them. I mean, if that worked, that would be brilliant, but it doesn't work that way. You're not going to find, uh, you're not going to find what you're seeking in that kind of way. But what you can do is start to develop some connections in a space. So part of it is that you have to show up often enough for people to know what you're about. So I think of this as intensive networking as opposed to scattershot. And one of the ways to detach from the outcome is to just say, you know what? I'm committed to going to three meetings in three months. I'm going to show up to this space. Um, like, you know, you and I are part of the National Speakers Association and I'm, I'm an active member of my chapter. When I first signed up for my chapter, I said, okay, I'm going to go three times in three months to see what this is about. And it takes a little bit of time for people to know who you are and, you know, think about who they can introduce you to, you understanding what other people are about. I wasn't attached to a particular outcome because my, my goal was showing up, participating, you know, trying to have some level of impact. So I met people and they would know what I was about. And I would measure my success based on having done that as opposed to how many business cards I got, how many, how much business I developed, you know, none of that. And I've now been showing up in that space for a couple of years and people are coming up left and right to ask to work with me. So, right. Like if I had sort of shown up a couple of times, maybe, maybe even if I'd shown up three times in a year initially, I don't think people would know who I was. I think it happens because I showed up three times in three months. Um, similarly, yeah. when I was going to the conference you mentioned, uh, I've been going there four years in a row. And my first year, I had just left my, my career to focus on this business of speaking, coaching, all that. And I made a commitment that I was going to go 10 years in a row to this conference and then decide whether it was worth it. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, that's wow. the commitment. Then it's like, well, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it valuable because I've committed to showing up, which is a big piece of this. So every year I measure my, so my uh, calendar for my business has sort of a reset button in July, which is when that conference takes place. So I always want to walk into that uh, conference knowing that I've accomplished something in my business worth talking about. So my first year back, my year two, I launched my podcast and I lined up a bunch of people from the show who are main stage speakers and past presidents of the association and million dollar business owners to be guests of my show, which also really amplified my reach, my own network, really gave a huge right. boost to, to a new show. My third year, I came back having, I was just poised to launch my book that month. My book came out like two weeks after that. So that was my first book. Year four, I came back and I, I took over uh, one of the community groups. I'm now managing the Rainbow Speakers community group. And we had two panels 
We had a huge reception. We had sponsorship for the reception. We did it with XY community group, the generation group. So it really, you know, like every year I'm like, okay, how can I come back? And I also launched a community as I launched my coaching program in my business. So I was able to come back and talk about my 90 day coaching program for entrepreneurial women. And, you know, I just, every year I'm thinking, okay, like I want to come back and I'm sort of, I'm getting something out of the experience, even though it has nothing to do with the experience, right? Like I'm using yeah. that mile marker as like a, let me get things done in my business. But then there's all the people you meet. I, I just, I just feel like that 10 year investment means 10 years that I'm not just like fledgling my way through this business. I am building a business concretely with a strong foundation and, and it, it will absolutely benefit me in the long run. But meanwhile, I'm nurturing those connections that will be there for me for decades. This is, this is not a, a short-lived career for me. This is my life. And that's sort of being detached from outcome. If I showed up and thought, well, I'm only going to come back next year if this or this happens. It's really hard the first couple of years. You've been going for five years. Of course, your, your mindset has shifted. It's a reunion. You know people. You yeah. know, like I also went to a second conference the same month. I went to podcast movement. I'd never been there. It's really different to show up to a place like that brand new. The first time. The first time. It was a good reminder, Dr. Paul, what it's like. I have a so. first time conference next week. And just having this conversation with you, Robbie, is helping me to get my head around what that's about. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate so much what you just said because there's a commitment to your own development and to the way that you can contribute to a particular community. Mm -hmm. So not only have you made a commitment to yourself to be there, you're creating opportunities to share your skills and your talents with others through leadership, um, heading up a community group. I've gotten involved in my own chapter leadership. And yeah. so as I'm thinking about this new conference that I'm attending for the first time this month, um, it, it's helping me to get my head around, okay, what am I going for? And uh, detaching from the outcomes, like you said. This is, so this is a first-time conference for me, Robbie. You coach people about how to prepare for mm -hmm. uh, an experience like that. And whether it's a first-time or not, I'm wondering if uh, with some of the time we have left, if we could just get into some practical strategies. Oh, absolutely. What, how do I prepare for this conference? What, what kinds of tips or tricks or hacks would you share with us around that? I, I, I know that this is a, um, a podcast. So people didn't see this, but I just sat up all excited because this is my jam and I love, I love <laughs> to talk to you about this. Yeah. So, um, a couple of things. Um, if you're returning, I, it is a little different. If you're returning, it's a lot easier for you to think about what kind of spaces you want to host. I think it's really valuable to gather people together for drinks, for coffee, for dinner, um, small, like, you know, six, eight, 10 people total. Um, I always, when I go to an event, even, the, if, even my first time at this conference, I looked ahead and I booked re reservations at, at either a restaurant in the hotel or restaurants across the street. And I did it towards the end of that weekend. So I knew that I was going to gather people throughout the weekend and invite them to this event at the end. And that, that was my way of giving back right up front. Um, 
So that's something that you can always do. You know, download the app, look at the schedule, plan your time ahead of time and look at who the speakers are and use that to kind of judge, okay, there's 17,000 things to choose from at once. Maybe the speaker will help you decide. I mean, like you want to build connections with certain people in certain fields. Why not reach out to that speaker ahead of time on LinkedIn, on Twitter and say hello? You know, start following their stuff, share some of their content. Um, comment in their blog posts, like, you know, write a review on their podcast, something a little bit, right? That way, when you walk in the room and you walk up to them, it'll be like, hey, Dr. Paul, I'm Robbie. Like, oh oh my gosh, Robbie, thank you. I saw your stuff. Appreciate you following me. You know, like, boom, instant rapport because you've given already in that relationship. You could just sort of seal the deal in, in person. You maybe you can even invite them to have coffee in the middle of one of the breaks, like I've done all those things and it's so, so valuable. And then there's, there's, so there's all that pre-planning. One other piece of pre-planning is, uh, and this got written up in Lifehacker because <laughs> I it got interviewed by Inc. And this is the piece that Lifehacker sort of picked up on. Um, write your follow-up email draft before you go to the event. Yeah. <laughs> now, wow. this will tell you like why you're going. Why, why are you going to this event in particular out of all the events? Why are you going? Not because you should, not because someone told you to. What's your role in all of this? Take some ownership and then think, okay, who do I want to meet? What do I want to learn? What do people, what should I tell people about myself? What do I want to share, right? What value do I have to offer? And you think, okay, if I met my ideal person, either you have a particular person in mind or a general idea mm-hmm. of an archetype, what would I want to say? draft that. It will kind of wrap your head around that moment. You'll have a, a serious you know, intention set. If you track the business cards that are higher priority during the event, and in the Western culture, my question is, turn the corner down. You know, That way, when you drop the pile on a table, the ones that the current turn corners are going to like stand out to you. Um, if you have a pen and you want to jot a little note in the back, again, Western culture, do those kinds of things. And then Afterwards, I would actually say before you leave the event, schedule an hour within two days of coming back from an event to actually do the follow-up, like actually put it on your calendar. If you've done that, you drafted your message, you track the cards so that you have the higher priority ones easy to pull out, your chances of doing follow-up just shot through the roof, thousand percent higher. Now you're onto something. Now possibility is there. You just have to kind of create the possibility by building a practice. There's nothing really magical about this except to say that even magic is about preparation. The rabbit was already there. <laughs> you know, like there's, right. a, there's planning involved with magic. There's planning involved <laughs> with networking. Same concept. And I also give you one other thing, which is small networking moments can really add up at a conference. When you go to a breakout session, you know, there's thousands of people at this whole conference. And there is a couple of hundred people in this session with you and you went in early and you're one of the first 12 to 25 people, go and talk to someone else in that room. Don't just walk in and sit as far apart as you can and get on your phone. I was just at a conference uh, recently and I took pictures of people from the back of the room sitting scattershot. Is like, at one point there was like six or seven people sitting on the very last seat and no one sitting to their left for all seven rows. They just were sitting in a line, not talking to each other. And it's like, and by the way, that was a session about networking. Oh, really? <laughs> that, my, that my friend was doing. And I saw, <laughs> of course, I started 
busted on people a little bit and making introductions happen. I also think you can train your staff and your, your speakers to help kind of liven up that room, get people talking to each other. The ethos should be, if you're here with colleagues, go mingle. If you're here alone, don't stay that way. If you're here with colleagues, go mingle. If you're here alone, don't stay that way. And that should be up on the screens. That should be in the welcome remarks. That should be in the first timers orientation. Then it'll be a lot easier to walk up to people, to engage. That's the point of going. That's the convening part of a convention, right? Convening is what's magical. You can get content anywhere, Dr. Paul. You don't mm-hmm. need to live in the comfort of your home. But if you're going to, just make it worthwhile. Connect with some folks. Wow. Powerful. Great tips too, Robbie. You've got other tips that are available. Um, and you and I talked as we were starting off the show about uh, some that you're willing to offer the audience. Can you just tell them about where they can connect with that? Absolutely. Um, so my book's got a lot of great content, but I also have a little cheat sheet called 10 Tips for Conference Connections. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make that available to your listeners at robbysamuels.com forward slash live on purpose. And so it's R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com forward slash live on purpose for 10 tips for conference connections. Awesome. Thank you for that. And, and obviously the website, robbysamuels.com. Yep. Um, there's a lot of resources there. They can connect to what you're doing and, and some of the other, the books, um, yeah. podcast. Um, but then remember folks, the forward slash live on purpose, that should be easy to remember. And we'll put a link in the description as well. And my, 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 uh, my show name is on the schmooze in case people are listening, want to go check that out. I have a lot of great tips, uh, great interviews on the schmooze is, uh, the website. Sorry. On the yeah. That's the podcast podcast. Excellent. Well, folks, you've heard it now from the master of connection. I don't know if that's your official title, Robbie, but um, I like it. MC. Really great stuff happening. Thank you for your contributions to the show. And everyone, it is time now to go live on purpose. Mm-hmm.